In episode 67 of MobyCast, John and Chris discuss using custom CloudWatch metrics to monitor disk space. Welcome to MobyCast, a weekly conversation about cloud-native development, AWS, and building distributed systems. Let's jump right in. Welcome, Chris and Rich. It's another episode of MobyCast. Hey. Hey, guys. Good to be back. Hey, so Rich, I saw you yesterday. We saw each other in person at a client meeting. That was a treat. Yeah, it was good. It's good. It was yeah. a fun conversation. Nice to get out of Denver. Yep. And I got out of Eagle too. We got kind of met in the middle and got a free lunch out of it. Can't yeah. complain. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> free lunch by a beautiful flowing Colorado Creek. It was it was amazing. So Chris, what are you what have you been up to? I heard you had June gloom. Oh. Well, now I'm just jealous. <laughs> <laughs> free, free lunch by the side of the creek in Colorado, like, yeah, yeah. That's how we do business here. Hashtag jealous. So, uh, yeah. Anything else other than jingling going on in Seattle these days? Well, school year's winding down, and this is a big one because uh, my son is graduating high school. So tonight is, is the is the graduation ceremony. Next, yeah. next year you're getting a boat and going sailing, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this this is like where the the tip jar comes out for MobyCast, right? To help pay for college. Right, right, right. Yeah, maybe there's no boat. There's no there's no sailboat. No. We're playing with a new thing. What's it called? Glow. Glow. That's right. It's, it's named after a Netflix series, and it's just like a thing where people that are into MobyCast can. Give us a few bucks and I don't know. We'll we'll play with it and see if we like it. We're we're not doing this for the money, obviously. We're doing it because we just like to talk so much and we like to record ourselves talking. So <laughs> so let's talk about today. We're gonna talk about disk space, which is a, a thing that just has a tendency to bite you when you're running production systems. It's a thing that's a finite resource and you can run out of it. And when you run out of it, computers don't like it and they will stop running your code and then you'll be down. And and sometimes it's really hard to recover from or you don't even realize that's why you're down. It's just like a anybody that's ever run production systems for more than, what is it? I think if you run it for more than 19 days, you'll probably have a disk outage. So yeah, we're gonna talk talk about that in in regards to how you know cloud native development, particularly around AWS, because that's what we know, and just talk about what you can do to make sure you don't run out and kind of some. I was trying to think of a metaphor like this is sort of we're going to do a little bit of black belt level AWS conversation here. Like this is what you don't learn in the one hour how to use Elastic Container Service talk that you go to at the conference. This is like when it gets real, but I don't like the metaphor black belt. So what's another one? It's kind of like uh, it's like the trade secrets. Yes. Right. Yes. It's there like the, the it's like you you hire the plumber, right? And what took you four hours to do takes them three minutes, right? Because right. they they do this. They they they've done it. They've done the hard work. <laughs> they've done it before. They know the the ins and outs. And so hopefully that's what we can do here. Is that we can <laughs> we can save some folks a lot of trouble and. Hair pulling. Right. You're making me laugh because I didn't hire a plumber recently. And it's a good thing the snake was 15 feet long. I only had five feet to spare. <laughs> and it took me definitely three hours of just oh, <laughs> wishing I would have called a plumber. So, yeah, let's get us started. Let's talk about disk space and, you know, just kick us off, Chris. In a way, I mean, this is really weird to talk about this, right? Because it's like, here we are, like 2019. Cloud has been around for a long time. We have 
like AI, ML, facial recognition, where all this stuff is in the in the the news now. Like just like technology, wow! Like just it's just leaps and bounds, right? It's just it's amazing how how fast things are advancing, and yet here we are. We're talking about how to monitor disk space. Um, mm-hmm. So. In, in a way, I mean that that's it's kind of sad, but it, it this does end up being kind of like just a it's it's a it's a very practical problem that that folks have, and so and as you mentioned, like the longer something um, a host is is up and running, the greater the likelihood, right, that it is going to have problems with disk space, right, and that's because you know apps are the apps that we deploy and, and are running they're they're consuming disk space as part of just their normal operation right so whether it be in the form of log files which is definitely one of the more the more likely suspects for for growing disk space usage things like container images bugs like you know you have code that's writing temporary files and maybe it's doing image manipulations or it's creating pdf files and then just not cleaning up after itself right and that can mm-hmm. that can lead to this so it is something that we have to deal with when you're running production loads in the cloud that you you do run into this right where you you just it's all of a sudden something's not working and it's because it's there's just no more disk space available and so how do we how do we even get to that Point. Hey, I'm um, I'm curious, Rich. You run production workloads for WordPress on with WP Engine, and I'm just kind of curious whether this is ever an issue over there, or whether WP Engine kind of takes care of this side of the world, and you've just never seen this problem in your in your wheelings and dealings with WordPress. Just curious. Yeah, I mean, we we have a limit. I forget it's like a hundred gigabyte limit or something like that on our server. Uh-huh. So like we. We do sometimes get within 20% of that. And uh-huh. when you get within 20% of that, WP Engine allow you to like clone into another environment and stuff like that. And you need to free up resources or upgrade. So yeah, I mean like So it could happen where you could go down if you're if you weren't kind of cognizant, but they, they take care of the monitoring for you. Well, the way that they handle it is they just they just they increase it for you and then they uh, interesting. and then if it happens another month, they they charge you. And I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know how they actually do it now, but when I was like I think I was like one of the first hundred customers. And back then they just, they just, you know, they just kept like loading it up until, until they could have a conversation with you about it. But yeah, I think theoretically, yeah, if, if you go over, you're, you're in trouble. And for me, that would be big trouble because we have 60 sites that are, you know, on the same box. Most of them don't do much traffic. So it's, it's only a few of them that would, you know, be causing that problem, but you know. Huh, sure. Interesting. Okay. So right on kind of, I was just curious cause you know, it's a managed service and, and Rich is friends with the, the team over there. So he, I'm, he was very politic in his response, which I thought was good. But uh, yeah, going back to AWS and and sort of the wild west of deploying whatever in the cloud, disk space comes up a lot. Yeah, go yeah. Ahead. So and you know, as we talked about in the past, I mean, we we were very much into containerization, and we use ECS quite heavily for running our apps, and that has its own nuances with disk space requirements, and you know, it's not just the applications that are using up disk space to do things like write log files. It's also just the number it's it's a function of um the number of different types of services that you're running right because each each service each task that you're running that has a that's backed by a by a docker image and those are cached on these hosts um they need to be there for on each host that they're running on and so as you grow and you have more services that you're deploying your disk space requirements are going to be going up right so the the likelihood that you run into this this problem of running into space becomes becomes even more likely to happen so very much uh, you know a 
a very real real world problem that that you're just you're going to run into in production so so maybe we can start off by just talking about like as far as like aws goes like the standard there for just monitoring stuff is cloudwatch right so that's that's amazon's that's aws's metrics and monitoring platform and out of the gate when you when you when you do have an ec2 instance you're going to get some some standard cloudwatch metrics for free right that there's just it's kind of this is the batteries included part of it so you're going to get things like cpu utilization disk throughput network throughput and status check status check so those are the standard CloudWatch metrics that you get for free so that when you spin that up that spin up that EC2, those metrics are now going to be available to you and you can do whatever you need to on them. You can monitor you them. Were, you can Did you just say disk throughput? Mm-hmm. And by that I mean um this is basically the um the number of reads and write operations you're doing, as well as the bytes that are being transferred for read and write. Right. Okay. So it's the it's the traffic. I'm sorry. I was developing a theory of maybe why disk utilization wasn't a standard metric, and you just crushed my theory. But because if they're doing disk throughput, they're obviously capable of knowing what disks are mounted and what they're doing. And I was just sort of thinking, well, it's a little heavier lifting to you know you can have lots of disks attached to a machine, and maybe some of them are even network mounted or whatever, you know. So, so since it's such a configurable part of a machine, what disks it's using, maybe they're like, eh, let's not go into that muddy pool and let's let users deal with that. But if they're doing disk throughput, they're in the muddy pool. They're standing there deep in it already. Like, come on. <laughs> you're going to tell me how many bytes are going through this thing? You're not going to give me a warning when DF like gets up to close to 100% on these things? Come on. Kind of, but think of it. I mean, it's it's definitely at a higher level of abstraction. So it's it's... You think of this as more at the device driver level, right? So it just, and this this plays into like the VM itself and the hypervisor. But is it always? I mean, like if you type DF, you mm-hmm. get a response that has to do with the drivers that are connected to disks and what's mounted, and like like the way that the machine is like it's a trustworthy operation. DF is not going to tell you about a disk that's on another machine. It's not going to tell you about a disk that's not mounted. So like. God, I don't know. I'm just a little, I'm a little, I'm frankly, I'm disappointed with AWS right now. <laughs> well, and like, I mean, this is like, again, the, the real world practicality of it's just, this is one of those things that's just, you know, it, there is a, there is a technical reason for this. Cause I guarantee you more than anything, like AWS has heard this loud and clear many, many yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. Right. But, and again, I, I think it is related to like where the virtualization is happening. And so, so the, at the level that this stuff is at, like it doesn't see devices and it doesn't see mount points and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And things are coming and going, but as that bubbles up through like this virtualization stack, at some point it knows like, Hey, I'm going off and I'm talking to network or I'm going off and talking to disc. And at that part, that's where it can, it can capture metrics. Right? right. So that's why you can see like these, you can track packets that are going back and forth, if you will. But yeah, the actual what's underlying that, like the actual architecture underneath that, like it doesn't see at that level. Right. It's sort of like if it was, I mean, let me let me just say something and then you can say, no, you're wrong. Like if to get the answer, you basically have to be you basically have to run a user level program on the machine, then AWS isn't going to get you that answer because it wants to stay out of there, you know, stay out of that user level stuff. 
and it only wants to be at sort of the hypervisor level. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, and that is true, right? So like the, the, it's not part of the, the OS. And so if it is, mm -hmm. if, if it is data that's only available from the, at the OS level, then that's not going to be something that it can do. Okay. Right? All right. All right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I um, get, I, I get it. Like, and it makes sense, I guess, with EC2, it makes a little less sense with ECS because with ECS, they are running an agent. You know, you have to let them run a program on the machine. Mm -hmm. So it makes less sense there, I would say. Yeah, we can. Uh, I mean, ECS gives you a bit more stuff out of the box for free. Um, okay. So, okay. So, so we talked about disk space, right? This is one of the things you don't, like the standard metrics aren't going to, you're not going to get that. You'll get throughput, but not actual space. Um, and then the other thing that's kind of like noticeably missing is memory, right? And so that's another one that you're just not going to get without custom metrics. On the ECS side, the ECS agent will publish metrics about your memory utilization because that's one of the that's one of the constraints that you have when when running your containers on these services is saying like, hey, what what's my memory limit? Like, how much memory can I use? What's the 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 um the max you can use? And so then there's metrics there for saying like what utilization, like how close are you to that limit type thing, so you can then do some some tuning. So there is some additional stuff that you do get with with these more services that are built on top of it, right? But ECS agents run at a different level than in EC2, um, right? And I guess I guess it's making sense. It's it's the same thing as it was with disk usage. In order to know how much no, uh, memory you're using, you have to be in there inside mm -hmm. the operating system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's CloudWatch. CloudWatch has a, a very robust, you know, architecture for having these metrics being captured, for retaining them, for visualizing them, for graphing them. It also has the ability to monitor these things and set alarms. So all very these are just core key things that we we use all the time. And and everything is built on top of this, like almost everything, I think, is so many things in, in AWS are built on top of CloudWatch metrics and the associated alarms, right? Like auto scale groups, that's how they that's how they work, right? They're they're monitoring CPU utilization or some other metric and using that on deciding when to trigger alarm to scale type thing. So given that we've we've talked about like, okay, it's not part of the standard metrics. So now we gotta start talking about custom metrics. Because that's what's going to get us to where we need to be to be able to. Because I think what we really want to know is we want to know, like, hey, are we bumping up, getting low on disk space? And if we are, sound the alarm so right. that we can go do something proactively before we do run out of disk space, right? So that's that's what we're trying to do here. So in order to do that, we need to create some some custom CloudWatch metrics um, around disk space, and so we need a way, a mechanism for for doing that. And so if you go do a Google search or, or whatnot to go start doing some research into how do you do this, you will find that AWS has a kind of a, a recommended way of, of doing this. So they have, they put together a collection of um, Perl scripts for doing these various OS level metrics. Um, so metrics around memory and disk space and whatnot. And there's a, there's, you can find the pages that walk you through the, all the steps that are needed to Basically, you have to manually install this stuff, right? So you're you first have to install Perl in its environment and all the dependencies that are required on that. Then you go and grab the basically download the the Perl script 
package. And then once you do that, then you can actually start using it. And perfectly viable way of doing it. For me, when I when I was doing this for our for our ECS clusters, to me that seemed really heavy-handed. And I didn't want to have to install Perl and, and these dependencies just for disk space metric, right? That's all I really wanted. And so um, it's I... It's a little surprising that that's still the recommendation, given what you're about to say. Go ahead and say what you're about to say. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you alluded to this before, right? You want to see what disk space is, just run DF. And that tells you, you know, for each one of the mounts that you have, how much... It gives you all the, the stuff that you need, right? Like total capacity, how much is available, and how much is being used. And so this is what DF tells you. And so it's literally like you only need like a single line of bash, right? You, you run DF, you pipe it through tail to, to chop, basically get rid of the, the header columns. Cause you don't need that. Um, and then run it through awk to say, give me the fourth column. Cause that's the disc available number. And so just with that one line of bash, you now have your free disk space, your available disk space. Um, we'll drop that. We'll drop that line into the show notes too. I think that's that's a nice little gem right there. It's a well-written Bash script command. Yeah. Hey, this is Rich. Please pardon this quick interruption. We recently passed an internal milestone of fifty thousand listens, and I wanted to take a moment to thank you for the support. I was also hoping to encourage you to head over to iTunes and leave us a review and/or a rating. Positive feedback and constructive criticism are both incredibly important to us. So give us an idea of how we're doing, and we'll promise to keep publishing new episodes every week. Okay, let's dive back in. Yeah, so I mean, so instead of going through all the, you know, the hurdles and the hoops of, of getting the stuff installed and, and putting, you know, software on your space, that, I mean, on, on your, your instance that you really just don't need, instead, just keep it simple and do something like that. And it's also, it's really, it makes it very obvious what it's doing, right? It makes it, makes it easier for people to understand what's going on as opposed to, you know, all this other stuff of, of, of installing a bunch of packages and then this this black box of scripts that are being downloaded. Right. And it's also a little surprising to me because doesn't AWS Linux come with pre-installed script, scripting languages? Like, doesn't it already have, say, Python on the machine with, with no installation necessary? Yeah, it depends on what AMI you're using. But yeah, there, uh, there's there's a there's a range. There's a, there's a range of stuff there, right? So yeah, everything's going to at least have shell and probably bash. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Unless you're unless you're Alpine, and then but you still have a, you still have a shell, right? Yeah, so yeah. you can still do this stuff, and everything will have DF. Right. right. Yeah. DF and DF and AUK are like tail like this stuff's going to be there so Mm -hmm. so so that's that's all we really need to do right to get our disk based metric and so now now we just need to to create this custom metric and publish it to cloudwatch and for that we really just kind of just have to make some decisions on like how we're going to name it we're going to name it and in this this case it's pretty easy we can name like you know available disk space right that's our that's our metric name Yep. And then we and then we decide on what the dimensions are, right? And so the dimensions are kind of the way that you are specifying what's the level of granularity. Like what is this being measured? At what level is this being measured, right? So we definitely want to do this at the instance level, right? Because this is definitely an instance value. And then we may, you know, depending on your um on your setup, you may want to have further groupings. So like for us we're these these ec2s are are host inside ecs clusters and so for us it makes sense to set the dimensions to be this metric to be done at the instance 
level along with at the ECS cluster level, right? So this way I can I can say, oh, when I, if I'm looking at my metrics, I can say, oh, I'm going to go look at all the metrics in my in the development cluster of ECS, or I want to go look at all the metrics in the I want to see the metrics um, in the staging cluster, or the production cluster. And then in, within that, then I would see it for each one of the instances that are in that cluster. Now I can inspect those even further, right? So it's a way of grouping these dimensions on it. And it's just going to be kind of up to you what makes sense. So and maybe if you don't have clusters, it may just be per instance. You could do it per scale group or something like that. So just something for you to, to think about and make a decision on. Sure, it makes sense. Yeah. So that's that's really all we need to do for creating our custom metric and for, you know, getting that data and and publishing it. And so the next part is like, okay, we want to have an alarm that tells us when we need to be aware of this. Right. So before you go on to alarms, I guess there is one thing that I don't quite understand. So we have this little bash line of bash that can run and get, get information out. Is that something that we tell CloudWatch to run or is that something that's just running? Like, is that, is there like a flip? A place where you go paste this? I guess that's that's kind of what I'm curious about. Or or is there something that you set up in the computer and if you dump the thing right into this place, CloudWatch knows how to find it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, so to publish your metric to CloudWatch, you're basically just, it's an API call or a CLI call. And you're basically just saying, okay, I'm publishing, here's the name of the metric, here's the dimensions, and here's its value, right? Okay. So, so what that bash line gives us, it gives us a number, right? It's mm-hmm. the free disk space. And we are now, we will follow that up. Now we can make our API call, our CLI call to CloudWatch. Oh, okay. say, for the disk space available metric, for this instance ID, and for this ECS cluster, here's its value. Okay, right. yeah, and I see we are going to get to that later. So, mm-hmm. no, but I didn't before, now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's talk about alarms and then kind of come back and put it all together. Right. So, yeah, so 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 alarms, you know, some some key components there's got to figure out a good name for them. So name them in a way that's allows us to to organize them and find them. We're going to specify what metric we want to monitor and then we're also going to specify the dimensions again, like what what's the level of granularity for monitoring on this. And we're going to define a conditional expression in this alarm. Um so and that's going to be composed of like a, a threshold or a value and a comparison operator. So like this is going to be if the available disk space is less than five gigabytes, then do then that's going to trigger the conditional, right? Or it could be if CPU utilization is greater than 80%, right? That's going to trigger the conditional. So that's a key part of the of, of the alarm. And then we're also going to specify an action, right? Like what should happen if this conditional evaluates to, to true. And so typically, you know, we'll we'll probably post some post to an SNS topic, and then from there, um, additional things can happen. So, you know, for our particular case, for for disk space, we're probably going to want to have like an email sent, or you know, we could have something you know published to Slack or whatever like that. But like, just keeping it easy, we'll just say like, hey, this is going to trigger an email whenever the disk space available free disk space is below, say, five five gigabytes. And so there'll be an SNS topic, an SNS topic we can create, and we can have whoever wants to subscribe to that can with their email address, so that when when this alarm gets triggered, there's going to be this email that's sent to everyone on that, letting them know that hey, this alarm has been triggered. Here's the value. 
and you should do something, do something about this. And CloudWatch really works. I, I have a quick story to tell you, Chris. I think it was four, three or four years ago, I was playing around with some AI stuff and I decided I was going to try to make a, like a data set based on Twitter. And I wanted to get tweets, but only during when the market was open because tweets outside the market being open were irrelevant to what I was trying to calculate. Mm-hmm. And I created a CloudWatch event or a CloudWatch alarm that would go and look to see if the market was open and then send me an email when it opened and send me another one when it closed. And, you know, it would kick off other things, but like, I would know that it was working. Mm-hmm. I still get those things every day. <laughs> Unsubs- unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I mean, and, yeah. and actually, when you think about, like, it's like from just the infrastructure, infrastructure standpoint, like, this is pretty amazing, like, engineering, like, what, they, right? what they've done with CloudWatch, right? Like, and just metrics and the graphing and just the alarming like i mean just being able to to monitor all this stuff right and to and to trigger alarms and to be so reliable i mean like that is quite the engineering feat so tip of the hat to you um aws a little bit schizophrenic on how we feel about aws during this episode (laughs) (laughs) well you know you gotta there's there's a little bit of carrot and a little bit of stick right (laughs) So, so, and so, yeah, so, so, so those are the, the kind of the key components of a cloud watch alarm. And again, you know, you can, you can create, create these alarms via API calls, via CLI calls, SDKs, like there's all this, just the normal, the normal way of, of being able to automate this stuff and do it. So, so to put this all together again, we are, you know, we're running ECS clusters and each one of those clusters is backed by a launch configuration and a scale group. And so what we we really need to do is we want to do two things during our our host initialization, right? So one is we're going to, we want to schedule a cron job that's going to go periodically determine how much disk space we have and then publish that to, to CloudWatch as a custom metric. So that's the one thing that we need to do. And the second thing is just to go create a brand new CloudWatch alarm for that particular instance's Disk, disk space metric, metric that it's going to be publishing. Um, and then we're going to have some, whatever the threshold may be. So like the, we'll just call like five gigabytes. So those are just the two things we have to do during host initialization. And after that, we're, we're done. So we're going to use the user data script as a way of, of, of doing this. And so this is the, you know, it's a bash script that you, you have that's going to be run during the process of the of EC2 spinning up that instance. This is where you get to run whatever kind of custom code you want that's run once whenever that, that instance initializes. And then we'll be on our way. So it's... You know, it's the thing about that, I wonder, I, I, it made me wonder if there's another way, because I think of CloudWatch as the cron of of the cloud and CloudWatch itself can run things on a schedule. Mm-hmm. And it would be kind of neat if you could just say, hey, for anything that's in this kind of auto scale group or this ECS cluster, like just reach in there and run this and then get the output. Like so that CloudWatch could be the cron instead of having to do any scripting at all. It'd be kind of neat. Yeah. I mean, it gets a little bit more there's probably some more right he- heavy lifting around mm-hmm. IAM roles and access mm-hmm. to the machines and stuff like that that kind of would suck, but it would be cool if you could do that. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, determining membership set and how you actually specify the different types of membership sets that there could be, um, you know, whether it's an ASG or, or, or something else, um, or is it a load balancer? I mean, so it just, I think it would end up 
just the um how do you actually define that would be feels like it would be pretty challenging and complicated but so maybe from, maybe worth it though right because if you have a lot of machines out there you know one of the things that that i feel that that's true about cron is it's where things go and happen in the dark cron is like not really letting you know what it's doing and it's it like it's got a secret little log file that you have to go find and see when things broke it's it's kind of a little pain in the butt oh yeah well i mean it think that it's kind of like serverless in a way right i mean same kind of have the same problem with lambda so especially scheduled lambdas so scheduled lambdas are scheduled lambdas are the cron of of cloud right Right, so So I totally agree. Like when you're dealing with cron jobs, like it is a bit of a, it, it's much less visible, right? It's, it really is kind of like invisible code. And, and here's just, another, another good reason to to have a CloudWatch event, go run the thing and then get the information back. So the CloudWatch event goes, reaches in the machine and says, do this. And then the thing comes back and says, here's my result. The reason is if cron stops working for whatever reason, maybe it's out of disk space, so it can't do the thing that it's supposed to do. It's not going to tell anybody. It's just going to be a lack of information. And it, and with any kind of alerting or alarms or monitoring, it's like the lack of thing that, that happens that's often the hardest thing to monitor. So at least if CloudWatch was reaching in and saying, run this little DF command and give me the result, uh, then if, that, if it wasn't able to do that, it might be like, hey, hey, everybody, I wasn't able to do this thing I'm supposed to do all the time. Whereas if Cron can't do it, it'll be like, I secretly am putting a little failure message into a secret file that nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, along those lines, I mean, another way of doing so. So this is the way that, you know, that we've set it up. Sure. Relying on cron on the, on, so everything's running on the instance itself using cron to, to calculate this every call it every five minutes um, and then publish metrics to, to CloudWatch. Another way you totally could do this, right, is, yeah, create a Lambda. So have the Lambda, schedule it so that it's running once every five minutes, have it go out. It can make the API calls to say what, you know, you can configure to what what cluster you want to take a look at it. It can do the API calls to get the membership set of what instances are running inside that. You could then, it can then make API calls to your instances themselves. You can expose some, some hook there for it to, to report back, here's the metrics. Um, and then your Lambda can then publish that to CloudWatch, right? So you can use Lambda as your as your cron type thing. Right, yeah, I guess into those trade-offs, like your, mm-hmm. the development team is like, yeah, we were totally gonna write that feature that lets users upload you know, this thing to their profile, but we spent the last two weeks mm-hmm. building a disk-free utility. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. indeed, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so at the end of the day, it ends up being just it's really that simple. So it's you know, we kind of started off saying like, hey, this is this is really kind of unfortunate that it's you have to do some lifting here to get this done. But I think, you know, the important point is that it's really not that much, right? If you just we talked about this, you know, one liner of bash using DF to get the to get the free space, do the CLI, you know, just do an AWS CLI call for putting for putting that that metric to CloudWatch to publish it um, using cron to to do that every every X number of minutes every five minutes and then um, also just wire up a new alarm based upon that metric now with that with those two those two small tweaks to our user data script we're now going to get an alarm triggered whenever we go below that that disk space amount so so then the next thing to do powerful. is hook up a little another little script that goes and grabs you a little more disk space and sends you an email saying hey i just got you a little more disk space just so you know 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, and and that boils down to like how you how you set up your 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 EC2 instances, and you know, did you? Is it the root? Is it the OS volume? Right. Is it right, EVM? Yeah. All that kind of good stuff. So, but just getting the email notification is definitely a, a good step um, in the right direction. For sure. Yeah. I get maybe some some practical things just to consider about this. So, again, we we treat our EC2s as cattle, not pets, right? So these things are coming and going. Instances are terminating all the time. New ones are spinning up. Just there's that churn. So, we've kind of gives us this question of like, okay, well, what do we? all these metrics and alarms are per instance. And so they really are going to be short lived, hopefully, right? They shouldn't, they're not going to be, they're definitely not going to be lasting for months and months and months. It's more on the the order of of days or weeks. And so, you know, what do we, is there cleanup that's involved here? And so something that's kind of surprising or maybe not surprising when you kind of think about it, but you cannot delete a CloudWatch metric. So once it's been published, it's, you can't delete it just not an option. Um, and also the default, the, the retention period now for CloudWatch metrics, it is 15 months. So it's 455 days. So so we create an instance, we publish some metrics for it. Um, the instance is terminated. Those metrics will be there for 15 months. So that's kind of not so great given that we have this flux of things coming and going. Yeah, don't um, put personal information in your CloudWatch <laughs> metrics. That's yeah. what I'm hearing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, cause you can't scrub it. Um, right. It's, it's there forever or for 455 days. Yes. And, but with CloudWatch alarms, you can delete those. Right. And so I would say like the recommendation here is like, don't worry about the CloudWatch metrics for your terminated instances. Cause really you shouldn't be looking at those directly. We really only need the metrics to wire up the alarms. And so it's really the alarms that we care about. And so the only other piece here that we have to do is we just have to periodically reap any CloudWatch alarms that are out there for instances that no longer exist. And that's that's that should be the proper amount of cleanup for us. And so that can be, you know, again, like create a Lambda job that runs, you know, once every every day or something like that and just goes and queries for the instances that are are active and looks at our CloudWatch alarm. And when you name your these things, like you should definitely have a pattern, right? So you can identify what they are. So like for me, I chose for my CloudWatch alarms, I chose a naming um, scheme where it was like ECS cluster name dash metric name dash instance ID, right? And so like, it's basically, it's, it's, it's composed of three different variables, these names. So it makes it really easy for me to figure out like what the instance ID it is that this alarm is associated with. And so to do that reaping becomes pretty straightforward. Makes sense. Yeah. So now no more excuses. Go monitor your disk space and get alarmed. <laughs> Excellent. That was super interesting. So, and I don't know, it, it, it's never stops being a problem until, until we just have auto disk expansion capabilities, never run out of space, just automatically make me more space. And then it, then maybe this problem will eventually go away. Indeed. Yeah. Of course, you'll, you'll pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you will. All right. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See ya. Well, dear listener, you made it to the end. We appreciate your time and invite you to continue the conversation with us online. This episode, along with show notes and other valuable resources, is available at mobicast.fm forward slash six seven. If you have any questions or additional insights, we encourage you to leave us a comment there. Thank you. And we'll see you again next week.